This is the Hasidic Story Project with Barack Holman, podcasting from Jerusalem, Israel. This podcast is sponsored by listeners just like you. To become a supporter of this podcast, please go to HasidicStory.com. H-A-S-I-D-I-C Story.com. You'll never know. You'll never know. You'll never know. You'll There was a Gera Hasid, whose name was Rabbi Rottenberg, who lived in Bnei Brak. And like most Israelis back then, which was in the 50s, and today, which is much later on, people struggled financially. If you don't know the joke, you'll know it now. How do you make a small fortune in Israel? You start with a large one. And so, Rabbi Rottenberg, struggling to make ends meet, shared his difficulties with a friend of his. And his friend said, I'll lend you the money. I have plenty of money. It's not a problem. And Rabbi Rodenberg said, nope, I'm not taking any loans. He said, no problem. It'll be an interest-free loan. You don't have to worry about anything. I'll take care of everything. I'll even find three guarantors to sign for you. Again, Rabbi Rodenberg said, not interested. So his friend said, listen, I'm in no hurry to get the money back. You can take as long as you want to pay me back. You don't have to pay me back anytime soon. And still, he said, not interested. So the friend said, I don't understand. What's going on here? And Rabbi Rodenberg said, No, thank you. I appreciate you caring about me, but I've made a decision many years ago that I'm not going to take a loan. So the story of Rabbi Ruddenberg started way back in the 1950s, when he was a young man who just gotten married, and even though he had lived in Bnei Brak, circumstances brought him to Crown Heights in New York, in Brooklyn, the neighborhood of the Lubavitcher Rebbe. And even though he was a Gera Hasid and not a Lubavitcher Hasid, The rabbi, like many other people, were curious to see the Lubavitcher Rebbe because he was so different than the other Hasidic Rebbe's. And at first he went to Farbrengen and he was very impressed with the Rebbe's appearance and the way the Rebbe spoke and the new ideas that the Rebbe had and the the different approach to the world that the Rebbe had. And he became captivated by the Rebbe and he decided to come back Farbrengen after Farbrengen. And eventually, when he moved back to Eretz Yisrael, He maintained a correspondence with the Rebbe for almost 40 years until the Rebbe passed away. And over that time, the rabbi had received nearly a hundred letters and responses from the Rebbe. At one of those Farbrengans many years before, there was a break between the Rebbe speaking and the Hasidim were singing Nagunim. And you can see this in the videos of the Farbrengans today that people would approach the Rebbe and ask for a blessing or advice. Rabbi Ruttenberg was sitting close enough to the Rebbe to see one of the Chabad Hasidim approach the Rebbe and make a personal request. And the Hasid was asking for a bracha, for a blessing, for a friend of his who was struggling financially. He said, Rebbe, please give a blessing to my friend. He's having a difficult time making ends meet. And the Rebbe looked at him and he said, what does this man need money for? The Hasid was a little surprised because he expected the Rebbe to just bless his friend and move on. And he didn't even know how to answer the Rebbe. So he said, Rebbe, what do, you, what do you mean? What does he need the money for? And the Rebbe was quiet and thought for a second, and then he said, For what he needs, he has. The problem is that he's gotten used to borrowing money and not returning it. And then the Rebbe paused a little bit longer, and he said, When your friend accepts upon himself the obligation to return all of the money that he borrowed and firmly resolves not to borrow any more money, Then, and only then, will he be able to receive 
from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, from Hashem, directly. And then the Rebbe raised his cup and said to the Chassid L'chaim, and the Chassid drank a little L'chaim. And Rabbi Rottenberg, who was sitting right up front and observed the conversation, he was deeply affected by this. Even though the advice was not for him personally, or even for everybody at the Fabrengen, but for that specific person with his specific problem, Rabbi Rodenberg felt like it was the Rebbe speaking to him as well. The Rebbe was saying, if you believe in yourself and you don't have money, then the only way to get more money without chas shalom doing a transgression is to borrow money. But a person that knows that everything comes from Hashem and all parnasa, all livelihood, also comes from Hashem, never needs to borrow money. So Rabbi Rottenberg made a silent vow to himself that no matter what, he would never take a loan. He was going to trust 100% that Hashem would provide for him for whatever he needed. And about 30 years later, in 1980, Rabbi Rottenberg was now facing a test of his own. One of his children, Baruch Hashem, was going to get married. But the burden of all the expenses for the wedding was much more than he could bear. And I can tell you, my sweetest friends, that I know this from personal experience. And I kind of lived this story myself. You start off paying for the Shadchanit, for the matchmaker. And then right away, if you're marrying off a daughter, these my children. So you buy a set of Talmuds, a Gemara, for the Chatan, for the groom. You go and buy a shaitel, a wig, for the Kala. You put down a deposit on the hall, the photographer, the band, a wedding dress. And the list goes on and on and on. And all this needs to be done very quickly. And this is what Rabbi Rodenberg was experiencing. And even though it seemed like the most sensible thing would be to take a loan, he had made a decision right there in front of the Lubavitcher Rebbe not to borrow money and only to trust in Hashem. But it seemed like the rabbi was going to have to give up on his vow. Because it was the day of the wedding, and even though he had been able to scrape together a little bit of money to buy the dress for his daughter and put down the minimum payment on the hall, he owed a great deal of money, and he didn't even have enough cash to take his family in a taxi to the wedding hall. And he kept thinking in the back of his head, you know, maybe I should give up on this decision that I made. I mean, maybe it's a bit foolish. I mean, this is the day of my daughter's wedding. And I have a lot to pay for here. And how am I going to pay for it if I don't take a loan? But he said, nope, I made a decision and I'm trusting in Hashem. And the family was dressed for the wedding. And so was the rabbi. And not knowing how he was even going to get them to the hall, he decided to go into a nearby synagogue and ask Hashem for help. And there he is dressed in his beautiful clothes for the wedding. And he puts his head on the Aaron Kodesh, on the ark. He says, Hashem. I made this vow to myself in the presence of the great Sadiq, the Lubavitcher Rebbe, that I would trust in you, Hashem, and not human beings, and that I would not borrow money, because I know that everything comes from you, Hashem. And so I'm begging you, please, Hashem, me, your humble servant, Avraham, I'm asking you, please, Hashem, send my family the money to pay for the wedding and to get us to the wedding hall and to allow me to marry off my daughter without any worries and with joy. Because I know that everything comes from you, Hashem, and no one and nothing else. And closes his eyes and he has his head in the parochet, in the curtain that's covering their own Kodesh. At that moment, a chassid enters the shul. And he comes over to Rabbi Rodenberg. And he puts his hand on his shoulder. And he says softly, My sweetest friend, I'm sorry to disturb you. And Rabbi Rodenberg turns around and he sees a Chabad chassid standing next to him. 
This turned out to be Rabbi Moshe Yeroslavsky, a blessed memory. And Rabbi Ruddenberg says, Shalom Aleichem, my friend, what can I do for you? And the Chabad Chassidi says, you look like the way you're dressed, that you're going to possibly go to a wedding today, is that true? And Rabbi Ruddenberg said, yeah, today is my daughter's wedding. Tova. may it be in a good and auspicious time. And so the Chabad Chassid said, so why are you standing here crying in their own Kaddish? If it's your daughter's wedding, you should be so happy. Ah, oh, Rabbi Roddenberg, he said, yeah, of course I'm very happy. I just uh, have a little bit on my mind. And Rabbi Yaroslavsky says, could it be that you're short a little bit of money for the wedding? And Rabbi Roddenberg is shocked and he says, what do you mean? Why are you asking? And he thought to himself, that's a funny way of asking. How much are you short? And so the Chabad Chassid, he said, let me tell you a little story. Just yesterday, I was at 770 in Brooklyn with the Lubavitcher Rebbe. And I merited to have a Yechidus, private audience with the Rebbe. Just the two of us, face to face, late at night. And I had a whole list of things that I shared with the Rebbe, and he gave me advice and a blessing. And I thanked the Rebbe, and I was about to leave the Rebbe's room. And the Rebbe says, one second. And he opens up his desk drawer and takes out an envelope. And he hands it to me. And he says, I know you're going to Eretz Yisrael now. And sometimes one meets a Jew who's making a wedding and doesn't have any money to pay for the wedding. So when you meet that Jew, please give this money to him. And so I took this envelope. It was filled with dollars, $100 bills. And I get on the plane and I come to Tel Aviv. The second I get off the plane, I'm looking, who could be this Jew that's doing a wedding and doesn't have any money to pay for it? So I started going around, walking the streets. Asking people, you know anyone who's getting married? People thought I was a little crazy. I did find one couple. They were getting married, but everything was paid for, so I figured that's not them. And then I came here to B'nai Brak, and I decided just randomly to come into the shul. And here I see somebody dressed for a wedding, crying in the Aron Kodesh. I said, Hashem, thank you for making me a faithful messenger of the Rebbe. And so he hands the money to Rabbi Rottenberg. Who's so grateful, he doesn't even know how to deal with the tremendous amount of emotions coming over him. And he says to Rabbi Yaroslavsky, you don't know how much this means to me. He said, you don't know how much money I owe. I was holding out, I wasn't taking a loan. And here, the Rebbe sent the money. And of course, he invited Rabbi Yaroslavsky and his family to come to the wedding. And he decided, since he didn't know how much money was in the envelope, he wasn't going to count it. The same way that he trusted in Hashem that the money would come without a loan, as he went to each person and paid them for the services of the wedding, he simply pulled out the cash from the envelope, not counting to see how much was left, figuring it was just like the manna, the man in the desert, that Hashem would give him as much as he needed. And when he got to the last person that he needed to pay at the wedding, not counting and not knowing how much was there, he counts out the last few hundred dollars, and when he looked in the envelope, nothing remained. His faith had paid for the wedding. And you might think that this is a bit of a strange or made-up story, but I want you to know that this is exactly what happened to me and my wife with our two daughters' weddings. We had some money, not very much. It went very quickly, and somehow everybody was paid for both the weddings, and these girls got married within a month and a half of one another. And after the last person was paid, all the money was gone. And I hadn't read this story. I think if I had read the story, maybe it would have helped me. And really the reason was because I didn't have the money. I, I didn't know that I could pay it back. And I felt it was irresponsible to take a loan if I couldn't pay it back. 
And every day I would say to Hashem, Hashem, your humble servant, Abba Barak, Ben Kalman Dovber and Batya, needs to pay for his children's weddings. Hashem, please send the money. And so many people helped out with the wedding. Just want to thank them all and thank the Rebbe and thank Hashem. So I have one more story for you. One of the great rabbis of the holy city of Jerusalem was Rabbi Yosef Chaim Sonnenfeld, a blessed memory. And one day Rabbi Sonnenfeld was walking in Shari Chesed, in one of the religious neighborhoods in Jerusalem, outside of the old city. And he sees there's a little four-year-old girl crying in front of her school. He wanted to know what was going on, so he went over to her and he said, is everything okay? And it turned out that today was the first day of school. And the little girl's mother was very sick and in the hospital. And the family was so occupied with taking care of the mother that they had forgotten to pick up this little girl from school. So Rav Sonnenfeld, he said to the little girl, Is it okay if I take you home? She looks up at this glowing tzaddik. And she says to him, Yes, Tati. Yes, father. You can take me home. Now, of course, Rabbi Sonnenfeld wasn't her father. But he was so kind and holy that she felt like she was in the presence of someone she could trust. And so he says to her, do you remember where you live? She says, yes. And the two of them slowly walked together. Now, Rav Sonnenfeld was probably one of the best known rabbis in Jerusalem at the time. And they're watching him walking this little girl home. And some people knew what was going on and they understood And others thought it was a bit strange that the great rabbi is walking with this four-year-old girl who's not his granddaughter. And when they reached the home, Rav Sonnenfeld saw that the house was a complete disaster. It was understandable. The mother was ill. People were besides themselves. And when the rabbi stepped further into the house, he saw there were some other family members there. And they stood up to honor the great rabbi. And then they realized that they forgot this little girl in school. They said, oh, we're so sorry, rabbi, that we made you go out of your way and waste your time. So believe me, you didn't waste my time. I want to tell you two things. First, God willing, this little girl's mother is going to have a complete recovery. And second, God willing, her mother is going to walk this four-year-old girl to her chuppah on her wedding night. The family knew who was giving the blessing. And they shouted, Amen! May it be Hashem's will. And just as the rabbi said, a few weeks later, the mother came home fully recovered. The doctors couldn't understand it because they had already told the family to accept that the mother wasn't coming back. And here, she didn't just come home. She came home in full strength, looking healthier than she had for years. And so the first part of Rabbi Sonnenfeld's blessing came true. And now the girl was 17 years old. And in Haredi circles, especially in those days, Shaduchim, matches were made already starting at 17. And she was offered one boy after another, but she turned them all down. Because her mother had recovered, she was able to give birth to several younger siblings from this girl. And now she was 20 years old, and she had a sister who was 18. And the sister was offered a shidduch and wanted to get married. And the halacha is that if the younger sister gets engaged before the older one, she has to ask the older sibling's permission. And the older daughter, the oldest daughter, she said, yeah, of course, get married. And so... The younger sister got married. And three years later, her younger brother got married. And another three years later, two more of her siblings got married. And all this time, 
She was offered wonderful shaduchim, really good guys, but she turned them all down. She didn't like any of them, and the family didn't understand it. She was so picky. Why was she being so picky? Now she was 32 years old, and the last of her siblings finally got married. And let me tell you, my sweetest friends, in the Haredi world, if you're 32 and you're not married, it's like being 70 and you're not married. It's a very rare thing. And everybody was looking at this girl, who's now 32, and all of her siblings below her got married. And they're thinking, what is wrong with her? And finally, she's offered a shidduch, and right away she says yes. She gets engaged, and she's going to get married. And everybody knew Rav Sonnenfeld's blessing, that he said that the mother would walk her down the chuppah. And at that point, already Rav Sonnenfeld had passed away and was no longer in this world. But just like he promised, the mother walked her daughter to the chuppah, celebrated the whole wedding, and the next morning, everybody got up, getting ready for the Sheva Brachot, the blessings after the wedding, and everyone was waiting for the mother to get out of bed, but she wasn't showing up. They went to wake their mother, and she wasn't moving. She had passed away in her sleep, and as is the custom in Jerusalem, the children asked forgiveness from their parents before they're buried. And the Kala, who had gotten married just 12 hours before, she said to her mother, Ima, I want to ask Mechila forgiveness from you, because for 15 years, it seemed like I was being too picky with the Shaduchim that I received, and it caused you a great deal of heartache. And you kept telling me, I don't understand. What's wrong with this guy? And what's wrong with this guy? And you watched all of my younger siblings get married, and you looked at me with such a sorrowful and pitiful face. I want you to know, Ima, it wasn't because I was so picky. It was because I wanted all of my younger siblings to also benefit from Rav Yosef Chaim Sonnenfeld's blessing, to have you at their chuppah as well. And only after all of them had gotten married and you walked them all to the chuppah, then I was ready to get married. So please forgive me, Ima. I didn't mean to cause you such pain. And the whole time the family thought that the oldest daughter was being picky, trying to find the perfect guy for her. But in reality, there was nothing further from the truth. It was because she loved her siblings and loved her mother. And she wanted to give her brothers and sisters the opportunity to have their mother dance at their weddings. And their mother the chance to have the Hasidic Shanachas, the Jewish joy of watching her children getting married in the holy city of Jerusalem. And this girl was blessed with a big family herself. And eventually, she walked her own children to the chuppah. And with each chuppah, she would say, Thank you, Ima, for being such a good Ima to me. May we all be blessed to dance at our children's weddings and our grandchildren's weddings, and maybe even our great-grandchildren's weddings. Mazel tov, my sweetest friends. Mazel tov!
thank one of the loyal listeners and supporters of the podcast, Rebetzin Ella and her family. Thank you so much for your contribution and for listening. And to all of you listeners and all the contributors, the podcast has been growing. The audience is growing. It's ranking higher in the charts. In the UK, at least for a brief period, the podcast was number one. And in the United States, in the top 20. And somewhere in the United Arab Emirates, there's at least one Jew who's very passionate about the Hasidic Story Project. And we keep ranking number one in the United Arab Emirates, which, of course, not a lot of competition in the Judaism category there. But thank you, holy brother, sister, for listening. And how does the podcast grow like that? It grows because listeners like you share it with your friends. And so thank you for sharing and keep on sharing and keep on dancing and keep on singing and keep on going until one day you realize that even though it felt like you had fallen, you never actually fell. Have a good Shabbos, my sweetest friends, and thank you for listening. Zai Gesund.